0: She stopped, and I kept silent on my side. I was not granting time for composure to her only. I was gaining time also for myself. Under the wan, wild evening light, that woman and I were met together again. A grave between us, the dead about us, the lonesome hills closing us round on every side. The time, the place, the circumstances under which we now stood face to face in the evening stillness of that dreary valley the lifelong interest which might hang suspended on the next chance words that passed between us. The sense that for aught I knew to the contrary, the whole future of Laura Fairley's life might be determined for good or for evil by my winning or losing the confidence of the forlorn creature who stood trembling by her mother's grave, all threatened to shake the steadiness and self-control on which every inch of the progress I might yet make now depended. I tried hard, as I felt this, to possess myself of all my resources. I did my utmost to turn the few moments for reflection to the best account. Are you calmer now? I said as though I had thought it time to speak again. Can you talk to me without feeling frightened and without forgetting that I am a friend? How did you come here? she asked without noticing what I had just said to her. Don't you remember my telling you, when we last met, that I was going to Cumberland? I've been in Cumberland ever since. I've been staying all the time at Limeridge House. At Limeridge House? Her pale face brightened as she repeated the words, her wandering eyes fixed on me with a sudden interest. Ah, how happy you must have been, she said, looking at me eagerly, without a shadow of its former distrust left in her expression. I took advantage of her newly aroused confidence in me, to observe her face with an intention and a curiosity which I had hitherto restrained myself from showing for caution's sake. I looked at her with my mind full of that other lovely face which had so ominously recalled her to my memory on the terrace by moonlight. I had seen Anne Catherick's likeness in Miss Fairley. I now saw Miss Fairley's likeness in Anne Catherick, saw it all the more clearly because the points of dissim- dissimilarity between the two were presented to me as well as. Not a day passed in that dangerous intimacy of teacher and pupil in which my hand was not close to Miss Fairley's. My cheek, as we bent together over her sketchbook, almost touching hers. The more attentively she watched every movement on my brush, the more closely I was breathing the perfume of her hair and the warm fragrance of her breath. It was part of my service to live in the very light of her eyes. At one time, to be bending over her, so close to her bosom as to tremble at the thought of touching it, at another, to feel her bending over me, bending so close to see what I was about that her voice sank low when she spoke to me, and her ribbons brushed my cheek in the wind before she could draw them back. The evenings which followed the sketching excursions of the afternoon varied rather than checked these innocent, these inevitable familiarities. My natural fondness for the music which she played with such tender feeling, such delicate womanly taste, and her natural enjoyment of giving me back by the practice of her art, the pleasure which I had offered to her by the practice of mine, only wove another tie which drew us closer and closer to one another. The accidents of conversation, the simple habits which regulated even such a little thing as the position of our places at table, the play of Miss Halcombe's ever-ready raillery, always directed against my anxiety as teacher, while it sparked over her enthusiasm as pupil. The harmless expression of poor Mrs. Vesey's drowsy approval, which connected Miss as and me as two model young people who never disturbed her. Every one of these trifles, and many more, combined to fold us together in the same domestic atmosphere, and to lead us both insensibly to the same hopeless end. I should have remembered my position and have put myself secretly on my guard. I did so, but not until it was too late. All the discretion, all the experience, which had availed me with other women and secured me against other temptations, failed me with her. It had been my profession for years past to be in this close contact with young girls of all ages and of all orders of beauty. I had accepted the position as part of a calling in life I had trained myself to leave all the sympathies natural to my age in my employer's outer hall, as coolly as I left an umbrella there before I went upstairs. I had long since learned to understand composedly and as a matter of course, that my situation in life was considered a guarantee against any of my female pupils feeling more than the most ordinary interest in me, and that I was admitted among beautiful and captivating women, much as a harmless domestic animal is admitted among them. This guardian experience I had gained early, this guardian experience had sternly and strictly guided me straight along my own poor narrow path, without once letting me stray aside, to the right hand or to the left, and now I and my trusty talisman were parted for the first time.